1: To the Brett Boone Podcast.
0: Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bet, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, we sit down with a friend of the podcast. He's been on, I don't know, I think it's been about 8, 10, maybe a year ago. Uh, he's been on the show before, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, ESPN's Reese Davis. Reese, thanks for coming on the program.
1: Oh man, always a pleasure to talk to you. Happy to be invited, and uh, and look forward to it. It's always fun.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, boring around college football right now. Nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick capsule of uh, your thoughts on the, on the playoffs and the whole Florida State situation.
1: It, you know. It's an unfortunate situation because Florida State had a great season and is a great team. Um, the extenuating circumstance of Jordan Travis's injury is the only thing that made this a question. It's listed in the committee's protocols, and they you know they evaluated them with what they thought Florida State was at this moment uh, without their starting quarterback. Now, the one thing I, I do think it's not really fair to evaluate how they played in the ACC championship game because they were playing their third-string quarterback and their backup, Tate Rodemacher, uh, will be healthy for the postseason and would have been healthy for the playoff had they gone. But they didn't have much data to work with on Rodemaker Played a little bit last year prior to the injury to Jordan Travis. I think he had taken 35 snaps, and he played fine against Florida. I think uh, against Florida – They had about 220 yards of offense, pretty significantly diminished from what they were in the regular season. But the flip side to that, Brett, is that their defense played phenomenally. And there's no rule against winning, you know, nine to six or three to nothing or ten to seven or whatever. And perhaps Florida State would have been able to do that. But you know, ultimately, uh, they went with Alabama. I think that at this point in time, uh, Alabama is probably. Slightly better than Florida State. Let me put it this way, slightly more complete than Florida State because you know they're at their full complement on offense uh, at the quarterback position. But reasonable minds can differ. And it's it's unfortunate, and it's it's a year that illustrates that the 12-team playoff, this would have been a perfect year for it. And I've been a little bit hesitant about the expansion of the playoff simply because there's so much juice and energy around say an Ohio state Michigan game that you're only going to see once winner take all kind of feel. And it's the only sport that has that in the regular season. We're going to lose a little bit of that with the expansion of the playoff, but Florida state's exclusion after being undefeated in a power five conference, winning two games against uh, two teams from the sec, their conference having a winning record against the sec, uh, Probably illustrates that it's that it's time to get rid of the bad math, as it were. That where one major conference winner, by definition, is going to have to be excluded at the very least.
0: You know, it's amazing to me as we get to this time of the year, and I'm, you know, me, I'm I'm the ex baseball player, layman college football guy, so I'm I'm living on the edges. I went to the SC game a couple weeks ago. I'll, I'll tell you about that later, but uh, I always forget that it is the college football game and how the playoffs are, are structured. Th- there's some subjectivity to it. Whereas mm-hmm. you get to the it, it professional level, it comes down to how many wins do you have and how many losses do you have? And it decides whether you go on. And I, I, I forget, I mean, even going back to my days in college and, and being a baseball player in the late eighties, we could do whatever we wanted to do. And unless we won the pack 10, uh, we were up to basically a committee that gets together and decides. And it doesn't matter what our record was. And it doesn't matter if you're 55 and 10 and there's four teams, 55 and 10. They're going to decide strength of schedule. Who's going to that super regional? So, uh, you know, th- it just brings me back to my college. It's like, how could Florida State not be in there at 13 and 0? Oh, wait a minute. It's, it's not like professional where uh, the, the numbers are are final. It it mm-hmm. is still some subjectivity to it and uh makes for for an interesting go around. If okay, for all the naysayers, all the people out there supporting the Florida State side and say they should be in it. If mm-hmm. Florida State were to be in, who who needs to be kicked out of that four?
1: Well, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Alabama but um, and that you know seems I remember we had Greg Sankey on college game day who's the commissioner of the SEC and I asked him that question on Saturday morning you know if Alabama upsets Georgia here you know there's a possibility there's no SEC team you know what what would be your reaction to that and he his simple answer was that's not living in reality well very nearly was and um you know and greg's a smart maybe the smartest guy in college sports right now i mean he's he's a brilliant guy and obviously he was advocating for his league and he has a firmly held belief that that his conference is, as he put it is different than the others in terms of uh, navigating your way through but all of that being said the obvious answer would be alabama i think because um because Texas had beaten Alabama in the early season head-to-head. So one of the committee's criteria, when teams are uh, grouped closely together, they often refer to them, though not officially, but they often refer to them as teams in clusters, as opposed to one who has separated itself as being unequivocally better. One of the criteria that is used in the evaluation process, none weighing more heavily than the other, is head-to-head. So I think Texas and the rankings reflected this. The way they go through their ranking process is not like me filling out my AP ballot where I list 25 teams and hand it in and they do the math. They go through a discussion and evaluation process where they group the six teams at the beginning who get the most votes. They discuss them. Then they go through what they call the ranking step. And the ones that get the most votes or they're ranked highest in the ranking step of those six, the top three, are then put on the board. So in this case, Michigan, Washington, Texas were all put on the board in the first ranking step, and then they added three more teams and evaluated the others. It's a more thorough uh, way to rank them. It doesn't mean it comes out to the satisfaction of everyone, but it is a little more thorough than just you know listing one through twenty-five or whatever. So I, I think it would have been it would have been Alabama. But the funny thing about this, Brett, is I was looking over some of the metric stuff in preparation uh, for for my podcast. Um, today and Washington is the team that the metrics really don't favor as much, especially the predictive ones. Now, some of the strength of record, because they're meaning how well you did against your schedule, uh, they fare well in that because they're undefeated, but some of the predictive ones have them ranked at the bottom of the heap. Uh, you know, Michigan's strength of schedule wasn't great. Uh, you know, and the other, I think in addition to the injury, which to me was probably, um, the overwhelming factor, according to talking to people in the committee, the injury to Florida state quarterback, Jordan Travis, that was the overwhelming factor, but the one number that they were able to uh, that, that could have had some impact in the discussion is that Florida state's overall strength of schedule ranked 55 and Alabama's ranked fifth. So it was, you know, some of that plays into it, but the, you know, I guess for the committee, the good news is when we move to 12 next year, these discussions now will center on the final at-large team, which, depending on where the highest-ranked champions are, will probably fall at the 11-12 cut line. And it won't be, <laughs> you know, three and four. And you'll have a uh, guarantee that you earn your way in by winning your conference championship.
0: Crazy year in college football. Crazy for me because I'm an SC, you know, I'm an SC guy. Went there. Um Caleb Williams supposed to win the Heisman. It was all, it was all wrapped up for him back to back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went, I took dad. We went to the, to the USC, uh, Arizona game. And this is when they were still, I still think they haven't lost a game at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was watching Arizona comes back. Arizona could have won the game easily. It ends up SC misses an easy field goal at the end. They go triple overtime. I'm listening to it in the car. Anyway, SC didn't live up to what, a lot of people thought they were going to be. Caleb Williams is not going to win the Heisman. And Arizona, for me, was a lot better than people thought they were going to be and ended up having a really good year. Um, what do you think about that and, and the whole Caleb Williams thing?
1: Very disappointing. Uh, not that my predictions mean anything, but I picked USC to go to the playoff because I, I thought the defense almost has to show some improvement. And it and it didn't, as you know, evidenced by the fact that they made a change at defensive coordinator. So I think that it is as disappointing a season for a powerful team with high expectations as I can remember in recent years, particularly when you have a guy like Caleb Williams coming back. Um, you know, hard to live up to what he did a year ago for sure, and the bar is going to be raised because of the reverence. With which Heisman voters hold Archie Griffin as the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, you'd better have uh, a season that was that exceeds even the great one you had the year before. And while Caleb was terrific, I didn't think he was. He didn't have quite the season he did the year before. Turned the ball over more than he has certainly in the Notre Dame game. But I, I thought it was just overall a really disappointing um, season for USC and sort of accelerated the question of what do you do uh, if you're Lincoln Riley in order to point this thing in the right direction? Because now they have a decision to make. Do you go out and try to find the next superstar quarterback in the portal if he's there? Do you now take a little time to develop the the entire program and build around a quarterback? And no disrespect intended to Alex Grinch, who at one time, the the fired defensive coordinator at SC – at one time, he was as hot a coaching commodity as there was, right? But you know this better than I. Sometimes the voice just needs to be different. The idea needs to be yeah. different. It doesn't mean that the coach doesn't know ball, can't coach. Alex Grants can coach. He's a good coach. But I think hiring uh, the defensive coordinator from UCLA, DeAnton Lin, who's also a rising young star and did a really, really good job at UCLA this past year is a, is a strong move. And Lincoln's teams have never – been great defensively even at Oklahoma some of that was the league that they played in in the big 12 just the style of play is not going to allow you to have great defensive numbers some of it might have been his own style of play some of it might be emphasis but making this hire and this admission I I need to get some things right I think is really positive and I think they've got a chance to get it going but uh some of the uh, I've read a lot of the articles I think uh, the honeymoon period is definitely over. And some of you know, some of that other goodwill and good feeling has been, uh, uh, some of that equity and good feeling has been used up.
0: Yeah. Winning a lot of games solves a lot of things. Yes, it uh, does. Um, started off in Boulder, Colorado this year, prime time took over that program. He's actually coming on the show in a couple of weeks. Is he really? Um, That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. He's great.
0: Um, how was the atmosphere in Boulder, Colorado this year?
1: It I was, believe. yeah, yeah. go ahead. It was they it were no, they were still unbeaten when we were there. It was before, you know, they fell off the the edge of one of those summits in the Rockies. but um he was, you know he he was a great uh, ambassador for football and now for college football. And Colorado needed a jolt of energy. And whether it was just being around their program and around their team, and I have a couple of guys that I've had. Long-standing relationships with that are on Dion's staff. A South Seri, who's their defensive coordinator has, you know, been a friend of mine, for, you know, for 20 years. And so, you know, being around his guys on the defensive front a little bit, and in the offices, and then seeing the excitement on campus, we had, uh, you know, The Rock came out as our celebrity guest picker and actually yeah. did a did a few segments with us. It was like it was an event, and that's the one thing that he is able to bring to a program that for the most part, when they had a little blip a few years ago in which they had, had a good team, but for the most part, that's been a moribund program for, you know, 15 years, you know, 10, 15 years, and he breathed some energy into it. Now he too is kind of at a uh, a crossroads moment. They have to improve some things so that, you know, so that it's, there's a little more um, – sustainable substance to it you know I'm not saying that it's not a program of substance it is but they they need a little more sustainability than hey we've got this real fast offense and a bunch of fast guys on the edge and then after a while people go yeah but right here in the middle we can wear you out and you know and that's what people ended up doing to them so you know shore up some of those things but it was unrealistic to expect any coach even you know and Dion's a really good coach to expect him to go in and you know, turn them into a Pac-12 contender in one year, now soon to be big 12 contender in one year. So it was going to take a little time to do it, but you know the fact that they won four games and created as much buzz as they did early was, uh, was a testament to his ability and his uh, coaching ability and his charisma.
0: Get ready for
1: the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th
0: Yeah, he's definitely. I played with with uh, Dion for a couple of years in Cincinnati. Yeah. He he definitely has that that in <laughs> factor when it comes to to selling a program. And yeah, I, I wish him the best.
1: Um, he, hey, I want to ask you. Let me ask you this about Dion because it's yeah. been my it's been my belief, and I know him some. I certainly don't know him anywhere nearly as well as you do. My belief about Dion is that while there's a lot of style, he's a funny guy inside he he's an old school hard ass isn't he without a doubt without a doubt and uh yeah that that front
0: is what made him prime time yeah and and you know that that persona that he has i'm not saying he doesn't have that in him he does but yeah behind the scenes uh he's old school show up uh make it to the post every day and do your job and then do what you want in your off time but once you get to the ballpark, he's all business. Always was mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Big Ten, uh, Pac twelve, what used to be. I was okay. This is the question I got for you, and it's I've been thinking about it. It's been bugging me because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, I'm a I'm an SC guy. When we played baseball, it was the Pac six, so it was just Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, SC, UCLA. That was our that was our Oregon and Washington. They weren't in our our league for the baseball side of things. Mm-hmm. So it's USC, UCLA going to the big 10, Stanford, Cal, going to the ACC, Arizona and Arizona state. I think Colorado and Utah mm-hmm. all go into the big 12. So all of a sudden, I, I think for football, the travel is not that big of a deal. It's one mm-hmm. game. It's Saturday. They can prepare around it. They're going to have a charter jet. It's going to be pro style. But I started thinking about baseball. It was so nice just whipping over to Arizona for a three game series, going to uh, UCLA. We'd drive, you know, it's a quick flight up to Stanford or Cal for our three game set on the weekend. But all of a sudden, you're going to Champaign or Rutgers, (laughs) and you got to make the most of your travel, I think, for the lesser, the non revenue sports. How is that going to work? Because I don't see them chartering a jet for. The women's swim team, mm-hmm. or, or or are they going to schedule it in a way where three or four women's programs or or men's programs that that are non-revenue uh, get on the same plane and and have to schedule it up and, and be back east and zoom in your school? I don't know how's it, how's that going to go? It's it's I started thinking about it now. The football's easy. Right. Yeah, the travel's a little bit more, but it's going to be first-class travel. They're going to mm-hmm. get there. They're going to play the game. They're going to get home. Probably not going to miss any school at all. But for the lesser sports, I, I hate to say lesser sports. I'm a baseball player. But no, I college, know what you mean. In yeah. college, yeah. I was a, baseball at SC is a lesser sport. Let's just be honest. Your thoughts on how that's going to roll out?
1: Um, it's Logistically, it's going to be a nightmare for the non-revenue sports. And it's not going to be, in my judgment, sustainable. You know, they'll they'll put together a plan to do some of that. But I think eventually what you referenced is probably going to be the wave of the future, in that you you mentioned that I think said Oregon and Washington at that time when you played weren't, you know, weren't in your, your baseball conference. I, I think that we'll wind up doing that. Now, what are the factors that will force that? Probably football separating at some point, sort of becoming its own entity and you know, self-governing uh, with perhaps uh, either under a, a, a special group in the NCAA or just governing itself, period. Because football, unlike the other sports, does control its own revenue through the CFP for the most part. Now, NCAA is not where the money is in football. So I think once people get a little more comfortable with football governing itself, if in fact that's how it goes – then the other non-revenue sports, of course, men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, perhaps will continue in those types of arrangements right now, even though that's difficult too. But they have the NCAA tournament money and the media rights revenue money, which create a bulk of their revenue. The other true non-revenue sports, I think, will be a little more geographically minded in their conferences. And that, that's, that just makes sense. So oftentimes things that happen in college sports don't make sense, but hopefully uh, over a course of time that will, because look, there'll be great competition in the big 10 for sure. But why, why would SC's baseball team need to go to Champaign when they can just go to Fullerton, you know, or when they, or or when they can, when they can play Arizona state and, and you know, this, you go to Fullerton you got your hands full, you got, you got dudes. You've got
0: great teams.
1: Yeah. And uh, right there. And so right it doesn't here. make a lot of sense. And, yeah. and the, and the same is true in reverse, you know, for the teams, maybe we're still growing. Big 10 has had, you know, an up and down history to probably put it kindly in baseball, for instance. And now, you know, you, you send them out to, to take on the Trojans and the Bruins and, you know, it's that's, I'm not sure why we need to do that. And I think at some point and at some point when they decide it's not financially, uh, viable to continue to do it, then we'll have a little more geographic sanity with the non-revenue sports. But as you point out, the football is really not that big a deal. I mean, you know, a little more unwieldy. Uh, Most people would still like to see Oregon and Oregon State playing all the time, you know, but, you know, those types of things can be worked out. The travel aspect of it is not a big deal.
0: It, it, isn't it funny? Now, Reese, you've been traveling your whole life, and, and me and you, we're, we're getting a little bit older. Uh, obviously, when I was playing, I, I was on a plane half, half, <laughs> half my existence, it seemed like. <laughs> but until I got a little bit older, the travel really didn't bother me. I laugh because people will talk to me about my Seattle days and, wow, being in Seattle, how much you had to travel. During a baseball season, the last thing I think about is travel. It's no, it's almost like a break from mm-hmm. life a little bit. I can go up in a plane, and we're flying to the next city, and I didn't care how far it was. Mm-hmm. These 18, 19, 20-year-old football players could care less that they got to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they'll get a, they'll get a little bit of uh, a buffer on one of their classes on Monday because their professor's a fo- football <laughs> fan, and, hey, we got to see you out there. Uh, but I but I laugh when they talk about the travel for the football players. First of all, it's going to be it's going to be top shelf accommodations. They're going to travel mm-hmm. just like the the LA Rams travel. And when you're that young, you're hungry. You just want to play, and you mm-hmm. can't wait to get there. And you don't care how how much you have to travel. I, I laugh. It, it, it's not a problem from the from the kids' perspective. They they just want to play. Baseball mm-hmm. players, whatever you're doing, basketball, football. Uh, water whatever it may be we as kids as college students we just want to play yeah and uh, the travel really doesn't bother us speaking of travel you're headed uh you got to do it one more time college one more. game day you're headed yep. to uh you're headed to Gillette Stadium Army Navy what do you got for me should that be a bucket list item for me
1: yes it really should the pageantry of it and sometimes I know we say this so much, it often almost sounds trite, but the, the pageantry, the discipline, the, tri- the tradition, the nostalgia, uh, the importance that both the, the core and the brigade put on that game and that moment and the intensity that's there. And then when you watch the game, watch the teams play, it almost feels like you've been transported back in time. And you know, there are just so many, um, so many cool things from a tradition standpoint that they do. You know, they have um, a member, uh, you know, from West Point who spends, uh, you know, spends a semester at Annapolis, and vice versa. And then they have what they call the prisoner exchange. You know, during that, and they run back to their respective, uh, uh, to their respective student sections, or back to the, you know, corps and the army, back to the brigade if they're navy. Just little things like that that show the connection between the two military academies yet for those 60 minutes on the field and the really the several hours leading up to it, they're at each other with as much intensity as you would get from any you know, high level, well-known rivalry in college football. And then when you also consider the missions that are ahead of, of all of those uh, guys who'll be playing on Saturday and really all the students there too. It's uh, it's something that gives you a deep appreciation for it. And I think just, uh, you know, whether it's the flyovers of the various planes or the precision with which the guys, the, the parachute guys who jump in, uh, you know, the Golden Knights or whoever to bring in the football for the game and you see their artistry, the whole thing is just uh, just a really cool experience. Highly, highly recommend that you do it.
0: Yeah, I think when you say that, it puts it into perspective because a year from now, those guys could be in a whole different world uh, that mm-hmm. we know nothing about. And
1: uh, yeah. that's one get- of the things we do. We do, Brett, is like on the show Saturday morning at at various points. They called senior service assignments, and all of the guys who are playing in the game. We scroll across what they're going to be doing, and there are some job descriptions and things that you look at, and you go, "Wow, you know, they're they're I don't know flying, you know." Expert helicopter flyers, or they're you know working some technical side to deal with submarines. It's it's really a, a fascinating thing. And then some of them are just sort of stark reminders. And you'll see a guy who's coming out and says field artillery, and you know what that could possibly yeah. mean for him. And it's uh it's you know it's it's a it's a daunting thing and something that gives you great appreciation for the sacrifice that they're willing to make.
0: Do you spend much time with the cadets and the uh, midshipmen? Um, any interaction?
1: You, you get some once you get there, you know, because they bust in the morning of the show. So I always try to make it a point to go out there before the show starts and, you know, right. uh, have some fun with some of them. The one thing I'll say is that when we do the, what we call the scene set, the opening to the show, a lot of times you'll try to coordinate things with the crowd and say, Hey, I'm going to be talking about this. And, you know, when I say this, you know, react, however you're going right. to, or if you don't mind, we're talking about something serious here. If you kind of, you know, uh, pay that a little mind show a little respect. Those guys are unbelievable. I mean, they, uh, guys and and women, they, they do it perfectly. You know, like we'll do some, and we may even do it this week where we'll have, um, you know, the students from army students from Navy standing there facing each other, you know, and there's just enough room to get a camera between them and they'll be staring nose to nose, kind of, you know, giving each other the stare down at attention and, they will stand there until, like, I'll tell them, I'll say something like, if I tell you at ease and you can go and do what you want to. I could talk forever, which some of my co-hosts would accuse me of doing anyway, and they will not move a muscle until I say at ease or whatever I've told them the cue is, and then they go and they start yelling at each other, you know, and beat Army, beat Navy. Uh, it's a, they, they show that they can live the discipline that they preach for sure.
0: Learn more at marines.com. Race for the Heisman. Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Jaden Daniels. A couple of the guys that we forementioned earlier uh, started off the year as Heisman candidates, but but are no more. Uh, Break it down for me.
1: I think Jaden Daniels has had the best season. It's a little bit of a different Heisman race because they lost their important games. They put up offensive numbers in every one of those. They lost to Florida State. They lost a wild road game to Ole Miss, like fifty-five, fifty-one, and then they lost on the road at Alabama, a game in which he played well and then was, uh, you know, was hurt in the game too, and changed a little bit after that. Um, but the numbers that he put up as a dual threat quarterback are sort of, sort of unmatched, and I think that he will have the edge and I think he'll win the trophy and it'll be a little bit different because in the last several years, for the most part, we've had guys who've won the trophy who were either in the playoff or in Caleb Williams case last year, were probably one game away from it. You know, Daniel's team was eliminated from that type of consideration, really from playoff consideration for all practical purposes in October. And then out of the sec race first week in November. And yet, I think because of the nature of, of this year and Bo Nix's team, you know, he, he played great all year, but lost those two games to Washington on the big stage. Penix was awesome and might have won the trophy himself and might still, but he had a low in the middle that some have said maybe he's not 100% healthy, where maybe he wasn't as overwhelming as he had been. I think it really has opened the door for a different kind of of winner, a guy who had a great season, but his team had a good season, you know, but not a great one. So I, I think Daniels is probably the guy, and I'm not so sure that Harrison isn't the best player in the country, um, but his his numbers as a wide receiver are very good. They're just not off the charts prolific like, say, Devontae Smith, uh, the year that he won it in, in 2020, but he's a great, great football player. So any of those guys are certainly deserving. I, I My guess is that Jaden Daniels will win. But, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different kind of Heisman race this year. Because even with with Daniels, Daniels is not a stats compiler, even though he has compiled stats. He looks great doing it. But I don't know that there's that singular, you know, oh, my gosh, did you see that, you know, kind of move that sometimes you get from Heisman contenders. He's had a lot of wow moments, and he's put up gargantuan numbers. and. The way he played, he probably deserved a little bit of better fate in terms of team record, but um, I think it's going to be different because he's been a little bit off the radar for about a month, and yet I still think he's got a really good chance to win it.
0: Uh, All right, final games, Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Michigan. I'm not going to ask you to to tell me who your (laughs) national champ is. Everybody asks Reese Davis that question. Who's going to win? It's like when they asked me who's going to win the world. Like I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here, here, here's yeah. what I think. But I, but I'm not going to ask you that when the national championship is crowned this year, is everybody going to be satisfied? That's my counter question.
1: No, not at all. I was at, um, and even, even the Georgia fans are mad. Yeah, you know, Georgia is a great team and could beat anybody, but they didn't. They ultimately, because of the circumstances of this year, didn't have much of a case. I was sitting at the Jaguars game the other night, and a guy walked by I me, and he's all mad like I'm in the committee room. He goes, Georgia should have been in, you know. So, so I said that to say that Georgia and Florida State are playing in a bowl game, right? Whoever wins that game, regardless of who wins the national championship, will be going, See, we could have beaten them. And then there will be people who 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 say that. And certainly, if Alabama wins, they won't be satisfied. If Michigan wins, everybody's going to talk about the sign stealing stuff. Um, probably, Washington might be the only one people will accept because there, you know, Texas too. I think will we'll get some of the, hey, you know, they escaped. Florida State should have been in instead of Texas or Alabama. So, no, the answer is no, with a small caveat that maybe people will take a deep breath except Georgia people. If Washington wins it, Georgia will say that they would have blown out Washington. So, so yeah, probably the easy answer is no, they will not be satisfied with whoever lifts the trophy.
0: Nobody will be satisfied. Well, Reese Davis, I appreciate you coming on the show. I, I know you have a jam packed week. Have a great time. I'll be checking you out Saturday game day. Uh, and like always, man, I appreciate it. Uh, where Tell me about your podcast. Where can everybody get it?
1: it we're, it's College Game Day podcast. You can download it uh, anywhere, much like yours, I'm sure, and certainly it's available through uh, all of the ESPN platforms as well.
0: All right, Reese, I appreciate it for all you out there. We are now on YouTube. You can check that out. Uh, for those of you listening, I appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, have a great day.